Hey, Risto here with George Mason University. Uh, today we're talking with Dr. Aaron Santeo, an associate professor from the University of Hawaii at Manoa. Um, we're going to be discussing two papers that we're actually co-authors on, uh, but the overall conversation is going to be around what PE teachers experienced during the pandemic and how they adjusted to online teaching. Um, you can find the full site of both of the articles in the notes section. Um, both these articles came out uh, in Journal of Teaching and Physical Education as open access, so they don't have a paywall. We can just find them on the internet, click, and open that PDF. Um, so for uh, they're free to read. Um, Aaron, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Risto, for having me. Um, so excited to be here and talk about these papers. I also just want to acknowledge that we do have some co-authors on these papers. Obviously, you're part of these papers as well. Um, and then Kevin Mercier uh, from Adelphi University, Alex Garn from LSU, Heather Irwin from the University of uh, Kentucky, and then John Foley was also part of this uh, from SUNY Cortland. So thanks to all of our co-authors for helping us make this happen. Yeah. And so can you start off by explaining where did this data come from? I mean, the quantitative N on the first paper is 4,362. That's a lot of teachers that filled out, uh, filled out the questionnaire. Yeah. Um, you know, it was really an amazing opportunity as we were um, in the middle of the pandemic. Um, we had made some connections with uh, OPEN, which is the Online Physical Education Network, and specifically Aaron Hart and John Foley, um, John being from SUNY Cortland, and SUNY Cortland and OPEN kind of have this relationship, and they had really, um, they sent out a survey to the OPEN network of teachers uh, because they had been working with teachers uh, throughout the, the beginnings of this pandemic, and they were really trying to gather information about how they could better serve teachers uh, in the fall. And so the survey went out to all of the teachers um, that were kind of utilizing open data, uh, open resources, I guess would be a better word. Um, and there was just an enormous response rate. And I think that really speaks to kind of all of the free materials and all of the hard work that open kind of put into helping teachers during the pandemic. And that kind of comes out and and some of the stuff we'll talk about today. Yeah. And also, all of the work that they've been putting in throughout the years of providing free information and free resources even before the pandemic and um, open is is a resource that i suggest to our students to go uh, look at different lesson plans different ideas um, i mean they from where they started to where they are now it's a it's a really great resource to get ideas and um, whether you're running a model or not, or teaching in an urban or suburban or rural school. I think there's something for everybody that can kind of pick out things, even if you're not uh, taking the entire uh, lesson plan uh, that they suggest. But open has been a really great resource. Um, so let me ask you this. Why, why do you feel like it's important for us to understand what happened in the pandemic and with online instruction in general? Why can't we just kind of like try to forget that it all happened. I think, you know, Arisa, I think we would all love to just forget that it happened. But really, I mean, as you know, we're in uncharted territory. There's been a lot of change in education and especially in PE over the last year, year and a half. And the hope that we never find ourselves in a pandemic situation again is like real strong, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that there are some many, le like so many lessons that we can learn and take and move forward to help us enhance 
learning and instruction within the PE world, whether it's about successfully like utilizing a flipped classroom in the future or creating more home and family involvement, um, maybe being able to teach on adverse weather days, like all of those things kind of come into play when we think about everything that teachers have been able to accomplish um, and experience over the last over the last year and a half through this pandemic. Yeah. And I know for sure where um, where I taught in California before, you know, there were fire days like the fire is so bad you can't go outside and do your normal physical activity stuff. And a lot of elementary schools don't have gyms in California. So, you know, what are you going to do on those days or here in Virginia? If you have a snow day, how are you going? And, you know, these school districts are saying that there's no more snow days like you're going to have you're not coming to school, that's okay. We're just going to do an online instruction. And I think, you know, the teachers are now very well prepared to have those activities because, I mean, a lot of them have been doing it for over a year now. So, um, I, I, so I definitely see that. Let me, let me talk to you about the two papers. So there are two papers in, in total. You led one, the qualitative one, and Kevin Mercier uh, from Adelphi University led the other one. Um, can you explain what the difference between the two papers uh, is? Yeah, of course. So the paper that's led by Kevin Mercier is a quantitative paper, um, and it really set out to understand kind of the what, what happened um, during this time. And when I talk about this time for these two papers, we're really focusing on that early onset of the pandemic. So this data was collected between like March and June of that first shutdown in 2020. And so the, the first paper, the quantitative paper, looked at um, whether teachers were using assignments, whether students had access to technology, if teachers used video for instruction. Um, it asked teachers like how effective they were being in online instruction. And then we also wanted to then take that information and kind of look at it across the US. So better understand things in context of grade level, urbanicity and the region in which the the teachers were teaching in across the United States. And then the qualitative paper, which is the paper that I took lead on, was more about understanding teachers' voice and what they experienced and went through during that first um, shutdown period in 2020. We really wanted to know what teachers thought and their perceptions um, about teaching in that online environment and explore what they needed to support their online teaching to move forward. And that last part is especially important as open, as I mentioned earlier, was looking to create professional development and new materials to help and support teachers um, in that upcoming fall. So the fall of, of last year in 2020. Um, and so that data was really important to them to to try to shape what they were what they were providing for teachers. Okay, and and so when we go into the results of the two papers, I think maybe the easiest way to go about this is to break the papers up to discuss results from the quantitative paper first, and then we talk about the qualitative paper. So, can you just give us some overview highlights of what we found in the quantitative results? Yeah, of course. So the quantitative paper, I think the first thing was really just understanding the descriptives of what was going on in schools. So a little over half of the teachers required assignments from their students during that first stay at home period. So only about 50% of, of teachers were requiring students to turn something in. 
Um, and about half of the teachers uh, reported that their students had access to the technology required to effectively learn in that online environment. Um, there was a 37%, so less than half of teachers reported that students were required to use video um, during that time. And then one of the things that was really interesting in this paper was that 80% of teachers that responded. So again, this is a huge sample that over 4,000 teachers. So 80% of that teachers reported that their teacher was as effective or more effective hmm. in this online environment than when they were teaching um, in person. Right. And then the other thing that we talked about um, in this paper was really just kind of like what teachers prioritize. And we found that um, teachers really prioritize standards five. Um, so valuing and enjoying PA, uh, physical activity, as well as developing skills and knowledge, which um, in relation to health related fitness. So that was standard three. And then the paper goes into all kinds of details about how that data was different between urban and rural um, and suburban districts, as well as areas of the country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I think we'll get into this, but that effectiveness piece is is really interesting and and the differences between if you're in a rural environment or suburban or urban environment. Um, let me, so in the qualitative paper, and I, and I know we can kind of talk about this later about some of the limitations we had with the way the data was collected and what we actually had to work with, which was a ton of data, but in, in kind of a compartmented way. Um, but I think, you know, there's been a lot of limitations to research in general during the pandemic. I know that, you know, ethically, what research can you do? What research should you do? Um, where, you know, where, where do you gain access? A lot of school districts just said, we're not letting you do anything. Um, so looking at the qualitative results, can you give us some, some highlights that we found from those, uh, from that paper? Yeah, of course. And I mean, just to reiterate that, like, you know, this qualitative data, it wasn't interview data. So the teachers like took time to fill out on the survey, um, just kind of their narrative responses. And that's what we kind of coded for this paper. And that process itself was interesting because coding qualitative responses for over 4,000 teachers was just a beast. Um, mm -hmm. You know, as you know, we spent lots of hours um, in conversations about the the coding and and that process and so i think you have a valid point that like how how do we not um ask teachers to do too much during this time and we were lucky to um you know open was doing this to be able to provide more information for the teachers so the teachers were being really honest but in the same light, it is important to know that these were teachers that were probably use, utilizing that open material, right? They, right. Were, they were engaged and open at that time. So anyway, when we talk about the qualitative data, we came across what we talked about in the paper as three themes, um, but they were really kind of focused based on the questions that we had asked, just because that was the lens in which the teachers were responding. The teachers had um, proud moments, you know, they that was the first theme in the paper. They they were really proud of overcoming technology issues um, and being successful, what they deemed as successful with their students. Some of these teachers never really dreamed of things that they're now capable of doing. 
um, they were really proud of being able to engage students in that online environment, whether it was via Zoom or Flipgrid or other tools that were available. Teachers were very proud and, and willing to talk about their successes that they had accomplished during the pandemic. And then they were also proud about being able to create good content for students. I think teachers surprised themselves and not only were they utilizing good content that Open was was putting forward and they were able to apply it within their own context, but there was so many free resources at that time that teachers talked about. Um, the other, another theme that we talked about in the paper was um, although they, they had all of these like proud moments, there was still so many obstacles that they mm -hmm. had that they had to overcome. So um, in the same breath that they talked about being able to engage students, they, there was lots of concern about lack of student participation. And at this time, again, it was they they created all this content, but many of them, there wasn't a way to assess students. They weren't necessarily checking in with students. So they had no way of knowing if their students were actually engaging in the content that was being provided that was being put out just because of what was going on at that time so that was that was something that they were concerned about that lack of student participation and not being able to know whether it was happening or not they also expressed this need for professional development in general um, but specifically around technology so there was a, a great need about how do we use this technology and how do we use it for physical education? Teachers were talking about like we went through all of these trainings like Google Classroom or um, Class Dojo or whatever the school decided to use, but it was never in relation to physical education. And so having technology specific physical education professional developments was one thing that they like really needed. And then one of the things that surprised me the most in this um, around this idea of professional development was just the sheer responses that we got from teachers about having professional development just on physical education in general. So it wasn't even about like professional development during the pandemic. It was just the so many teachers expressed that they never get professional development on physical education. It's always general education or school specific professional development. And so there was this great need for any type of professional development that had anything to do with physical education. And then the last theme was around upcoming challenges. And there was, uh, if we think back to that June of 2020, there was just so much unknown. And the unknown was really um, frightening and, and scary for teachers as they moved into the fall. Many schools at that point um, hadn't made a decision on what, how, or what they were going to be teaching. Um, teachers were really fearful about how social distancing was going to work if students had to wear masks. All of those things were things that teachers were worried about. And then that was all coupled with um, keeping themselves and their students mentally and emotionally and physically safe. And so these were all things that teachers kind of talked about um, as being their main concerns and things that kind of rose to the top as as we were uh, coding and really analyzing that uh, data. Yeah, and it's interesting as we're recording this, we are moving into the to the new school year, whether that's at the university level or K to twelve, and and I think the comments that we looked at from the teachers saying they're going into the fall, they have no idea what it's gonna look like. 
I think teachers now kind of have an idea, but now with this, these new changes in the pandemic again, I think there's a lot of teachers are going, I, I don't know what we're going to do. Our school district hasn't let us know if we're going to do socially distanced activities or are we only able to be outside or what is the state of physical education? And I, it's, it's disheartening, obviously, to be in this position a year later still and going into another school year and having to deal with these. Um, you know, I, I saw this email from this National Faculty Association that said, we are approaching our third year, third academic year impacted by this pandemic. And that's, that's a heavy thought to consider that, you know, three academic years have been or will have been like shifted by this. And it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot for the teachers. And I think the things that you brought up in, in the qualitative paper, like the ask for physical education, professional development, you know, you hear that all across. I think that's why state conferences, you know, the California APERD or SHAPE Maryland or Virginia APERD, I think those are so popular because teachers are thirsty for that knowledge. They want to know what the best practices are. And I think OPEN is, an, is a place that does some professional development for sure, but that's why these online resources are so popular because when you're in isolation, when you're an N of one at an elementary school, they're not going to run a professional development specifically for you. So I think that's a, that's a thing that we need to fix as a field for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you, Risto, like we go into this next school year and, you know, I think about the things that we have found out and discovered over the last year and a half. And it's like, we should be ready for this fall. Right. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we are still in this like state of no one knows what's going on. And as you said, like we might have a better anticipation of what it might look like if it goes one way or the other. But I think that teachers are still kind of in this limbo. So it'll be interesting to see how this year plays out as as we move on into this uh, continued pandemic, for yeah, sure. Yeah. So before we go into the discussion piece, I, I think, you know, for for the researchers listening to this, I think it's it's important to address the 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 reason why we ended up writing the qualitative paper. Um, you know, the the data wasn't a rigorous, you know, triangulated like that we have you know interviews and questionnaires and field notes and observations and all these different things i think you know you and i and the other co-authors had these long discussions about this is we have you know four thousand times you know four or five different you know over ten thousand responses to these questions is it worth it to go through and dissect that? And it was a lot of work to go through and individually code those. It's, I don't think it's the perfect study, but I think at the end of the day, we look at it and go, is it worth it to get this information out? And that's why we chose to go forward with the data analysis in this section. And, um, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of things like this coming out of the pandemic. There's people who are doing their dissertations who have completely have to reshift and it's well is it still important knowledge were there some limitations absolutely right because things shifted but do we just halt everything 
I, I don't think so. So I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's just this, uh, you know, there's definitely a fine line. Like I think that the information is absolutely important. This is something that we, as I said earlier, it's kind of uncharted territory. It's important that we understand the phenomenon and how it's unfolding as it goes. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and what is going on. And so in that sense, and because of what's going on in the world as a researcher, we, as you stated, were, a, we were not in control necessarily of the research design and how it unfolded. But what we were in control of was the data analysis. And, and we made sure that the analysis in this case was so rigorous and mm -hmm. that we we dotted our I's and crossed our T's and coded 17,000 data points. Like yeah. it was just so much data to even wrap our head around. And just for those of you that um, haven't read the paper, essentially what we explain is that after we coded those, we really went into frequencies um, and we did frequency counts of each of the different codes to look at like how those themes were emerging. And then we even used uh, Wordle to try to like dump the qualitative data in and see like what what are is what's coming out in that wordle like matching the themes mm -hmm. that we thought were rising to the top so it was a really like cool analysis to be a part of because it's not often that you have data from so many participants yeah. but with that obviously there's so many limitations like it was a, a sample that was from open and so that in and of itself gives it a little bit of a limit as to the the broad scope that you're going to see in the answers um, yeah. because these are teachers that were seeking out resources during that time. Absolutely. So again, there's that fine line of, I think the information needs to get out there, but we still need to do our due diligence to make sure that the research is sound. Yeah. And at the end of the day, was it worth it? I would say yes. I think it's important stuff to get out. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I think that one of the interesting parts for me from these papers was that, you know, in, in both of the papers, you see this technology piece as a big thing. Um, and that you, you realize that teachers really learn to engage with technology quite well. And it wasn't something that they may have done ever if they weren't forced to during this pandemic, like teachers who just like, are not interested in technology, all of a sudden are making videos, uh, learn to use Google Classroom, learn to take attendance online, all of these different things. Uh, and what we kind of see coming out of this is that they really professionally grew in that area. And at the end of the day, they're going to be able to do that um, going forward. So I'm wondering, were there other things that you found in these two papers that were interesting to you? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think that, I mean, that technology piece is huge and understanding like how things actually rolled out and what that means for the future um, is super important. The other thing that stuck out to me um, it, within both papers was the idea of effectiveness. So the quantitative one, there was a question on the survey itself that asked like, how effective were you in teaching the online PE? And like, as we said in the results, that there was 80% of the teachers felt that they were as effective or more effective than teaching in a regular classroom. And then in the, 
that in and of itself is interesting. But then mm-hmm. if we look at the qualitative data, teachers like were really happy with what they had accomplished and they were proud of what they were doing in their PE classes. But then in the same breath, uh, and they thought that they were being effective, but in the same breath, they reported that only 50% of kids were like engaged in their content. And you kind of like scratch your head like, well, yes, okay, so we get that you thought that you were effective, but if only 50% of kids are engaging, like, how does how does that work together? And I mean, I think that part of it is because we're in a pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, we have to think positively about the things that we're doing. But then are we truly being effective? And what is effective? And so that conversation of like, what is effective in online, what is being effective in online physical education, or even in a general physical education class is important. Like how do teachers perceive effectiveness itself? Yeah. And I think we can go back to this, you know, the 83 Judy Plasek article, busy, happy, good, you know, there are certain teachers that look at students as being busy, they're happy, they're, you know, on good behavior, they're not messing around. And that is very effective, highly effective PE in certain, um, certain people's understanding, whereas another person would come in and look and say, well, they're not being assessed there, you have no learning goals, you essentially rolled out the ball, and everybody likes this game, but what are they learning? And so I think that effectiveness piece is such a moving target because you have to really clearly identify it first. Um, And, you know, in in this, there was very few uh, teachers who were able to assess. There are a lot of teachers, and we're talking about the very beginning of the pandemic, right? So we've all heard the stories of just students who are just, you can't find them teachers are sending people to go to people's houses to see like what's going on why aren't you logging on we sent you an ipad to get online and you realize that they don't have wi-fi at home and they can't get online for for these things and i think a lot of those uh, technology issues were fixed during the end of the pandemic or like the next year um there are some things that were kind of fixed in that sense but i mean i I know that college teaching was difficult for for me to kind of switch over and suddenly teach a field and invasion games class, which is all about meeting in person and learning these skills to be fully online. But I can't even imagine going K to 12. It's such a different level of organization, of class size, of frequency, of marginalization. Like, I still had the same amount of time and the same uh, the same students in my class, and I wasn't cut down. Like I know PE teachers who just didn't teach PE for like six months. They were just monitoring things. They were helping with certain aspects, and they weren't able to actually teach. Or when they got back, they were teaching for thirty minutes a week for for uh, for a single class and. I mean, I, I don't know how you can be effective in 30 minutes. And those are the limitations that school districts and, you know, administrators are putting in for our PE teachers to be able to be effective. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, um, you know, in this situation, teachers were doing the best that they could with the tools that they had. Right. Yeah, and absolutely. one of the things that like, 
not necessarily as part of this research project, but that I have had conversations with teachers about is just um, making sure that the scope of what we're expecting, like expectations were different during the te- during the pandemic. And so maybe that effectiveness was related more to what that expectation was in relation to the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what they were able to accomplish because we the message to teachers was don't try to fit everything in that you would normally fit in. Pick one or two things and do those things good, right? And so, yep. but I think that you're you're right on to something with that with the concept of assessment and teachers weren't really this data show that teachers weren't really assessing students. And I don't think that, I think that teachers still need a lot of professional development around what assessment is and what, how assessment can be used for teaching um, and, or for learning and also of learning, right? There's different types of assessment and how that kind of plays into the student learning process. And that knowledge, I think would impact their concept of effectiveness. But as you said, teachers don't necessarily view it like that. They're viewing if students are participating, if they're busy, then that that is a concept of being successful mm-hmm. in, in that situation, right? Yeah. And so I think as teacher educators and as professionals with um, running professional developments within service teachers in a higher ed sense, we have some work to do to help teachers understand how to be effective and assess effectiveness while still bringing joy um, to the classroom and not impacting students' learning processes. Yeah, 100%. So where does research go on this topic from, from here? Where do we go? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. You know, um, Open actually followed up with a second survey uh, during the 2020-2021 school year to see how things changed. And I think that that's going to be important information coming out, understanding how online PE has evolved from that initial shutdown, because it absolutely has evolved from the time that this data was collected, right? And what growth has happened And I think what's going to be really important to understand is how then that impacts online teaching in the future, right? Like what pieces do we know are working, are helping teachers be more effective? How are we using technology and online PE to help assess students' learning and assess what's going on within the classroom? And also the idea of effectiveness, like trying to figure out what, dig a little bit more deeper into teachers' thoughts about what effectiveness is and what it means in both an online, but also an in-person environment and getting teachers to to think more about that word in general and how it plays out kind of in that PE classroom. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's interesting, you know, you and I are kind of extending on the study now and we've spent the summer interviewing teachers and I've had, I've learned so much from the interviews that I've done because, you know, 
filling out a questionnaire or getting quantitative data is one thing, but then actually having an hour and a half conversation with a teacher who went through this, you know, and, and they talk about, well, you know, I would ask, like, did you assess? And they're like, well, no, because my school district says that we're not giving out grades and we're not doing this and they're not prioritizing it. And I only teach 30 minutes a week, you know? And so like, oh, okay, well, I, I could understand that. And you know, how, how things shift when you only have such a very limited time. And so the interviews that we've had over the, over the summer have been fascinating. Um, and I, and I look forward to digging deeper on that, uh, on that content. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So thank you for joining us. Um, I mean, I, I really enjoy talking with you, Aaron, on, on these papers and have very much enjoyed working on these papers uh, as well. And I know we have some more coming out. Um, so thanks for thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me, Risto. And um, thanks again to our co-authors and to Open for allowing us to kind of better understand this data and share it uh, with the world. And so the articles are uh, linked in the notes section. You can just click on the click on the link. It'll get you to a free article. Uh, they're out in uh, Journal of Teaching Physical Education uh, ahead of print, um, and you'll see the open access citations there. Uh, and that's all we got on you uh, for this one. And uh, if you haven't, uh, go ahead and go over to Apple Podcast and uh, rate us on the podcast so more people can find the find the work. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Risto. If you're still listening, you're probably really into health and physical education. So I'm going to use this opportunity to pitch our master's program to you if you don't have your master's degree yet. Um, our 100% online master's degree program we offer at George Mason is affordable. You can do it while teaching, and it's high quality. Um, Mason was listed as one of the top 50 universities under 50 years old in the world. Our education department was ranked in the top 10 nationally for the online master's degree program in curriculum and instruction. The master's degree uh, revolves around your teaching. So you'll use assignments from the classes to immediately apply research and best practices to your classes. You'll be part of a tight-knit cohort of health and physical education professionals who are passionate about teaching. You're also gonna get an opportunity to interact with students in other content areas. So if you're interested, you can email me, look me up on Twitter, or you can go on the hpewebsite.com under study with us and watch a video that I've made.